Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, Amen. I'd like to share some thoughts on being born again, again. The phrase born again, and this is very apropos because we're heading into New Year season. We're going to leave the old behind. We're going to head on into the new. How many of you are going to make resolutions? Yes, you're going to make. How many of you are going to break resolutions January 2nd? Yes. Um, the phrase born again a, a generation or two ago was a very uh, popular term to describe what happened to people when they had an experience with Christianity with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the church, something along those lines. People would have these experiences, and they would radically transform their lives. And beautiful, wonderful testimonies about what it means to be born again were emerging about how I once was this, and now I was this as a result of being born again. And as with any terminology that happens in our uh, cultural milieu, uh, as with any terminology that happens, Something that is described as being wonderful and beautiful uh, often deteriorates into something that is derogatory. And now the phrase born again um, picks up a lot of meanings and phrases along the way. And I can imagine that many of you, if you hear that phrase born again, it could describe maybe a population of people or a segment of Christians who happen to be those kinds of Christians who are born again. Or it describes something or a theology of maybe you do or do not ascribe to. Um, but we're in a series entitled, This is Our Story. And I hope that through the time that we've spent together, you have engaged your mind, pushing into all of these things that we have talked about, that we've grown up with, that we have theologized about, and shifted your thinking from, this is what I believe, to, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, let me give you a little bit of narration, plot, drama. What does it mean to be a hero in the midst of all of these ideas? I would like to offer you a little bit of a story take on this phrase born again as well. Rather than it being just a segment of the Christian population or a description of a grand experience, a conversion experience, if you will, I'd like to go back to Nicodemus and talk a little bit about Jesus having this conversation with him. And what story, what framework are we surrounded by when Jesus uses this phrase, born again? We're going to go to John chapter 3, which is where it's found. I, I had to cut a lot of things out of the message because of the time. One of the things that this is going to lead into is John 3.16, ultimately. And so at the very end, I can't get there, but at the end, I would love for you to consider what then does John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, King James Version, will not perish but have everlasting life. What does that phrase have to do within the context of this story right here, beginning with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Now... There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, which is actually a double verily, verily, truly, truly. It's like this emphasis, truly, truly, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God. Without being, and this translation, which is the New Revised Standard Translation, without being born from above. Now, this word born from above is the Greek word anothen. Everybody say anothen. Anothen. You are now Greek scholars. Well done. And Greek geeks. Anothen. The word anothen, when you look at it throughout the New Testament and some Greek literature, it means born from above. 
But it also is used popularly to mean born again, which is where we get that phrase born again. And it has this connotation, this idea of being born from the first. In other words, anothen, to be born from above, to be born again, means in some ways to go back to the beginning and start your life over again from that point of birth. Being born again is not an idea of right here, I'm going to make some changes or developments or I'm going to make resolutions. No, no. Being born again means going back to the very first moment. And as is very um, central to Hebrew thinking, Greek thinkers, Western thinkers are very abstract. We have concepts and we have ideas. But the Hebrew thought is always about concrete images, pictures, earthiness, visceral reality. And so the image of actually going back into the womb seems to be what Jesus is referring to. And we are sanitized in our particular culture, but this is part of the tension that is happening between Jesus and Nicodemus. He is saying something like, you gotta get back in there, and that is how you see the kingdom of God. You've gotta get back into the, go back to the first And that is what it means to then be born from above, to be born again, to be born back from the first period of time. And this is the imagery that he uses, literally born again, literally held within the womb, literally pushed through, emerging out into this world, fresh, as if you've never touched this planet, brand new. Now, This idea of being born again is actually a very common one throughout Hebrew thought. Many of us know the Shema. We have, uh, for those of us who have been around Spark for a little while, we've studied the Shema. It's one of the most important central verses in the Bible from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then the following phrase is, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Sound familiar? Yes, because Jesus reiterated this as saying, this is what is most central, most, this is the most important commandment. It is the thing upon which all other commandments hang. We taught on this at the very beginning of Spark because it was that important, that central. Everything hangs on this. Well, there was a Jewish custom that you recited the Shema every morning, every night, You would recite the Shema on your deathbed. And so we often ask Christians this little trivia. What verse in the Bible is the most recited, most well-known verse in the entire Bible? Christians often go to Psalm 23, John 3.16. These are the popular ones. But the reality is throughout history, it's Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the tradition was this, where every time you recited this phrase, you were being born again. The, the ancient Jews, the Hebrews understood that to recite this was to recommit yourself and you would then be born again. There are other ideas within this concept of being born again. This is from the Talmud. You can actually go into that library over there and take a look at huge volumes of commentary upon commentary on biblical passages and what they mean. And this is one of them. Simeon B. Lakish says, 
he has not already fulfilled the obligation to be fruitful and multiply, for though, for lo, a convert is classified as a newborn baby. In other words, be fruitful and multiply is one of the very first commandments. Somebody who has now come into the faith is a convert, but he has not yet fulfilled that commandment. He is being born again by the fulfillment of those commandments. Sometimes it is suggested uh, that if you haven't fulfilled religious duties, you are now, at the moment of conversion, being born again. The Psalms actually talk about, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today I have given birth to you. And this is within the concept, within the context of overcoming injustices in the world, being renewed in your covenant with God. You are my son. That is your identity. But (laughs) there's this other thing. You are now being reborn, rebirthed again. So this idea of being reborn, going back into the womb, going back to the very beginnings of your spiritual journey is actually a fairly common idea in Jesus' day. Now, This is what Nicodemus says in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And our general understanding of this is that Jesus face-palmed at this particular point because he had no, like, do you simply not get it? And I've heard commentary, read commentary, I think I've even taught this myself, that Nicodemus must have been some sort of idiot. He just didn't clearly get it. But there's another possibility here, because Nicodemus is actually a Jewish ruling council member. In other words, he's very thoughtful, very smart. He knows the scriptures. He knows this tradition. It's possible that Nicodemus isn't just completely clueless. It's possible he's pushing. You say we're going to be born again. Tell me, how is this really going to happen? In other words, he understood exactly what Jesus was saying. He was understanding exactly what Jesus was suggesting. Get back in there. And Nicodemus was saying, okay, I get it. I understand. What do you really mean by that? How is that really possible? Because physically that's not really possible. I don't see this actually happening. Outside of somebody converting to Judaism, I don't understand what you mean by being born again. Now, the next reply from Jesus is, in my mind, brilliant. For so many different reasons, I'm only going to give you one of them. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. You must be born again. You must be born from the first. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who has been born of the spirit. Now, When you read that passage, there are some clues. There's always these markers that happen in Jesus' teachings. In the Bible, you're like, spirit, spirit, wind, wind. There's all these nuances that happen. And then this nuance that I already showed you here. When did this happen? There's this chapter marker that separates chapter 3 from chapter 2. This conversation is happening around the Passover table. This conversation is happening while they're all in a feast. And for those of you who know the Passover, you know that they're celebrating the exodus out of Egypt. And it is in that particular context, they talk about being born again and wind and spirit, the ruach, the pneuma, these beautiful images. And I'm going to suggest to you, this is my thought here, that part of what Jesus is actually alluding to about being going back to the very beginning 
actually is set within the context of that meal. For those of you who know your biblical history, the Passover celebrates the exodus out of Egypt. These people that were enslaved, these people that were under an oppressive regime, got sent out. They were freed. They were liberated. They were taken by God out of a place of injustice and slavery. But if you read this story carefully, how does the exodus start? What is the very first story that happens in Exodus? It's a story about midwives. It's a story about how people give birth. It's a story about people being born and what you're supposed to do with those people. And it's a story about women who are usurping the powers that be. They're subversively disobeying in order to bring about redemption. It's this really brilliant, beautiful story. Why would an Exodus story about liberation from an oppressive regime begin with midwives and birth. The story continues where the Pharaoh is saying, when you attend Hebrew women in childbirth, examine the child. If it, is a be- if it is a boy, kill him. And if it is a girl, let her live. You want me to kill a child that has been born? And he's telling midwives this? Pharaoh then becomes this representation of the complete opposite of what it means to be born into this world. He's representing an opposite direction. Rather than life, he's moving towards death. And the midwives are those representatives of those who care for and take care of those who are coming into this world. The imagery about birth in the Passover and in the Exodus continues. What's the very first plague that happens in Egypt? The water, the river, turns to Blood. Now, I know we don't like to think about it because we're very sanitized here. I get it. But the biblical world was not sanitized. They understood. They felt it. They smelled it. They knew what birthing was like. And it's an amazing image and picture to consider that the very first thing that happens in the plagues is water that turns to blood, which is both a symbol of life and a symbol of death. How many plagues are there? Everybody knows there are ten plagues, but some commentators have suggested there's actually not ten, there's actually nine. Symbolizing in some ways the nine months of pregnancy, and in some ways symbolizing the contractions, the pain, the suffering, the agony that a woman goes through to bring forth a child. Nine plagues that ends up in a tenth plague, which is not a plague at all, but which is actually the delivery. And what is the delivery from Pharaoh? The delivery from Pharaoh is stillborn. Because of his disobedience, because of his frustration, because he was just so obstinate towards the Lord, his family turned out to be the death of the firstborn, not life. Pharaoh was not in a season of being born again. It was death. And this is what ended up with Pharaoh's house. What happened with the Hebrews? What did they do? They slaughtered a lamb, they took the blood, and they wiped it, splashed it on the lintels, on the door frames. You have the midwives. You have possibly nine plagues ending up with a stillborn with Pharaoh. You have blood on either side of those plagues. And then you have the Hebrews passing through both blood and then the parting of the sea of reeds of water. 
commentators have taken a look at these little clues from Exodus and have suggested this Exodus story is a birthing story. This Exodus story is not just about powers. It's about a picture and an image of what does it mean to be born again, to be freed and liberated as an image and picture of liberation. There's so many more uh, images and pictures of this. In the, in the desert, after they are freed out of Exodus, they're in the desert, and there's all these passages about how you are to construct your lives, how you are to live, what kind of festivals. Well, here are the festivals listed there, and the seasons and the months, etc. And there are much more intricate descriptions of this than I can give you now. But if you look this up, some commentators have suggested that the time frame between the Passover, which is the very first feast, to Hanukkah, which is the last feast, matches up exactly to 280 days, I believe, which is the 40 weeks of pregnancy. And they match all of these seasons, the four feasts in the spring and the three in the fall. They match them up precisely with gestational periods. And many commentators are suggesting that the ancient Hebrews knew about these cycles, they knew about this imagery, and they knew that they themselves, as a people, were going through that. And every time they would celebrate those festivals, they themselves were being born again. So when Jesus is talking about being born again with Nicodemus, and they're at a Passover celebrating the exodus out of Egypt, my friends, I'm going to suggest to you that that idea frames the definition and the concept and meaning of what does it mean to be born again. There is a string of thought of freedom, liberation, exodus, power being corrupted, and justice overcoming, God taking those people out that is being strung through when Jesus uses that phrase, born again. And so our story, this is our story, all the way back to Exodus, even all the way back to Genesis in some places, every single one of us who are followers of Jesus don't claim an identity of being born again because we've had necessarily an experience and that experience now identifies as a Christian now versus not a Christian before. Our experience is one that we are constantly entering into that story of being born again and again and again, entering deeper and deeper into justice, deeper and deeper into liberation, deeper and deeper into that story. So that story of Exodus lives and lives and lives over and over again. I'm suggesting to you that what Jesus is doing is pulling these threads. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts and take on this because I think the implications of this are quite numerous. Here are a couple that I can think about. There's the theme of liberation. Being born again means that there was something that happened in your life that caused you to become liberated or a people to become liberated from oppression. Being born again means somehow reestablishing a sense of justice in this world where previously there was injustice. Being born again means somehow there was a distant relationship with God, but because of God's pursuit, his love, his grace, his mercy, his constant wooing after you, there's now a covenant. Being born again means that there is hope. There's a future. We are in slavery now, but we know that God is coming and that we are headed towards something beautiful and good that is there. Being born again is all about caring for the community. Uh, once the people exit out of Egypt, the Israelites had to learn what does it mean to be a nation. They had to learn how to construct themselves. Priests and kings and all sorts of prophets needed to emerge. So how could, 
to help them understand how they could care for one another and especially care for the least of these, the vulnerable, the weak, the marginalized. That's what it means to be born again. Being born again means to recreate. We've talked a little bit about how these themes of creation keep getting woven through. Being born again means having new sight. This is what uh, Jesus actually says to Nicodemus. You can't see the kingdom unless you have been born again. It's to see your world and your situation and your hope in a completely different way. Being born again means embracing what some people are suggesting as the sacred feminine. When you read the Exodus story, and specifically the story of Moses, the number of women that are there that are the prime, key, major players in the salvation story scream off the page if you are there looking for them. In a world that is dominated by patriarchy and male dominance, This story embraces, once again, to be born again means to go back to the very beginning. Who was it that gave you life? And to reemerge with the sense of femininity and the value and importance and the central place that that has in our sacred faith. Being born again means bringing heaven and earth together. Being born again means being the new humanity. These are all themes from the Exodus. These are all themes that God has been weaving throughout this, these stories. And so when we, when we read the idea or the concept of the phrase of being born again, we are pulling in those threads all the way through. And as we get to this particular season of New Year's and making New Year's resolutions and the old is past and the new is coming and watching the ball drop and whatever your traditions might happen to be and getting ready. Okay, this year is going to be different. This year, I'm going to make a list. This year, I'm going to really stick to it. This year is going to be different from last year. We make these resolutions all the time. We, we try to become better people all the time. We try to push ourselves towards not making the same mistakes as we had once done in previous years. The problem that I often see is the end result of making these resolutions. The end result of trying to actually do this is we actually heap some more condemnation upon ourselves. Because once January 2nd, January 3 comes, January 4 comes, February comes, oh, I wasn't able to do that again. It is into that, it's into this season of New Year's that I'm going to suggest to you we need a completely different way of thinking about our identities, our faith, and our humanity, and this idea that Jesus is giving Nicodemus is not just try to make things better. It is not just trying to incrementally move one or two steps. It is not trying to just simply go back and not do all the same mistakes again. I'm suggesting that what Jesus is suggesting to Nicodemus is you actually have to think about your identity, your faith, the future, and hope by going back to the very beginning. You need to be born again. You need to go back to that point. You need a whole new humanity, a whole new identity, a whole new way of living. You can't just make incremental changes. You have to think and frame your life in the sense that you are actually back in the womb. Fresh start. You've never touched this earth before. And now you are going to push into this world all of those big themes from that Exodus story of hope and of justice, sacred humanity, brilliant sacred femininity, the idea of bringing heaven and earth together. 
That's what we need. There's this amazing photographer, Leonard Nilsson. You may not have heard his name, but I'm almost certain you've seen his pictures. The photographs that he has taken were many, many years ago, far before technology was able to capture some of these pictures, and they have been made famous by being on the covers of particular magazines. I was captivated by these images again. I was captivated by the, I don't know, just the raw sense of innocence and beauty. This, this child has done nothing wrong. This child is just being nourished. This child has a whole amazing future ahead. The, the possibilities that you see here, if you really stop and think about it and engage with, the possibilities are endless. Think about what could happen. What kind of love? What kind of justice? What kind of hope? What kind of peace? What kind of reconciliation? What kind of rescue could come from this? What kind of life? What kind of humanity? What kind of freedom and liberation? All the potential of the greatness of God's image bared in our humanity is sitting right there. That's how deep and important this born-again idea is. It's that visceral. It's that deep. It's that moving. Many of us are already followers of Jesus. Bless God. Some of you maybe are on the journey, whatever that means. We're all in a different we're all in different places. For those of us who have that identity, we are we've had that experience. I remember I could share my story of my conversion experience and what it meant for me to be born again, to have this transformation into now becoming a Christian. When I read Jesus' words about being born again, I think to myself, oh. I want to be born again, again. Right now at this moment, at this place, understanding the fullness of that story, can I also go back there? Can I go back to the first? Can I go back to that moment and starting right here, right now in this place, be birthed into this world with a whole new set of hope, with a whole new view of the future, with a completely, radically shifted, upended, transformed sense of expectation of what could come. And just like this child, in every single one of you, there is the world of potential for all of those Exodus themes and stories, for all of that hope, for all of that justice, for all that mercy, for all that love, for all that rescue, all of that is actually happening All that is actually here, waiting to be birthed, waiting to be seen in this world. As soon as we walk out these doors, we already talked about this, about the safety and the dangers of New Year's Eve. As soon as we walk out these doors, there is the opportunity for a whole new love and peace and shalom to be birthed into this world. And it's just waiting to come out. So my friends, I would suggest to you, that's the story of born again. 
you pull in all of these themes and you recognize that right now, right here in this moment, every single one of you have the beauty and the potentiality and everything in front of you just as it was in the beginning. Sometimes these seasons are full of regrets. There's no regrets here. Sometimes these seasons are full of, well, I have to do that different. There's no different here. It is just right here, right now, the fullness and the beauty of all that human potential. All of God's image is right here. It's right here. It's right there. I see it. And it could happen again and again and again. So that's our story. Our story is one where we are the kind of people that are born again, again, and again, and again. And I hope for you in the season of New Year's and resolutions and celebrations and all of that is, that is to come with you thinking, oh, I'm, I'm another year older. No, you're going back to the beginning, baby. You're going back to the beginning. God, I don't know exactly how this all works sometimes. I'm kind of like Nicodemus, but I pray that something in all of this inspires us to be exactly as you have created us to be, to exemplify your image and your likeness in this world, that we can be born again, again, and again. And I pray in your name. Amen.